0: What's up, guys? I'm here with Jason from Gametech, and this is the first actual episode of the Retro RGB Road Trip. What's up, man? I'm here with Jason from Gametech. How's it going? Hello. We are uh, we're seeing the other side of the camera this time. Uh, you know. I've been watching your videos for, I mean since you started putting these videos up, you always got the angle right here, you looking at your stuff, and now we're seeing the other side. (laughs) So yeah, thanks for having me over. Um, I've known you for almost six years now. I checked my email before I came here and just, you know, searched for game tech and it was, uh, did you sell stuff on eBay for a while too? Did you ever sell game packages? I think it was, I looked it up, it was June 20th, I bought like a a bunch of light gun games from you on eBay, and then like a few months later I was like, uh, I I didn't even know it was you, and then I asked uh, from your main website to do the NES RGB, or no, it was the Play Choice 10 RGB mod. Mm -hmm. So, man, that's been a, if you think about how much this happened in, in just the NES RGB world from then till now, it's like light years different, huh? Yeah.
1: No, yeah, I used to sell a lot of stuff on eBay before it really got going with game tech. That was my main thing, really. Oh, just like eBay uh, collecting and selling and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. Mm.
0: So, <clears throat> well, we did an interview a while back, so I'm not, I don't want to repeat too much of myself, but uh, you were the second person when I started RGB that I ended up contacting. First, obviously, well, technically third, my cousin Scott. Obviously, number one, my buddy Phil, who uh, I think he's camera shy, so. But you were number three, which is absolutely fitting that you would be the first person I come visit for the retro RGB road trip. So it's very <laughs> cool to actually be here. But um, for anybody that didn't see that other interview, what what was like your driving force to get you into doing all this cool stuff with retro gaming?
1: Uh, honestly, it was the Nintendo Top Loader. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I found eBay in like early 2002. Mm-hmm and I just wanted to buy everything that I ever wanted as a kid. Yeah. So, like, my thing was baseball cards for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I bought a bunch of baseball cards and satiated that need. So then I moved back to video games, and I thought, you know, I'd really like to play Zelda. So I got in and looked for the the biggest, best deal of Nintendo stuff I could find. Mm-hmm. And it happened to have a top loader in it, which I had no idea what that was. And uh, so just like a bulk op- option yeah there was like down. i would say 20 boxed games and like 60 or 70 loose games wow and a top loader and i probably didn't pay 200 for it oh you wow know, it was back before i oh, knew what the right. top loader was or you know before game prices went insane yeah i think
0: about 2000 2000 yeah about 2000s when i got into it i was getting things like i think i got a cdx for like 75 bucks or something like if you could you know, it's always it's like buying Xbox 360 games now, right? You can get mm-hmm. ten of them for, you know, for five bucks.
1: So if you funny. know what you're looking for, it's probably worth looking into. Yeah. So that was it. You just went from Zelda... Yeah, selling so to... I, I played Zelda and I was satiated on that, but then hooking it up to the TV was cumbersome because it was RF only. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember how or other, but I ended up on the GamesX site and found Kevin's, Capturus' write-up on how to do the composite mod. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and it went from there. I started uh, buying more top loaders and modifying them and selling them on eBay. And it just and only I only stopped doing that like six or seven years ago. Hmm.
0: Yeah, because you were. Uh, I guess it did overlap for quite a while, right? Because you're yeah. doing mods and selling stuff. That's overwhelming, man. It takes a lot. Of, I, I don't think a lot of people realize how much effort it takes to start selling stuff on eBay. I'm selling stuff anywhere, really, but. Like, you know, the one thing I always taught myself, which I didn't, you know, I didn't practice for years, but now I do, is anytime I go to sell something, I package, weigh it, get everything ready, and then list it on eBay. Yep. That way, when the time comes, I just slap the label on and go.
1: Yeah, it's it's annoying to try to get on there and buy something, and then all of a sudden you look at the shipping, and it's like $50 for something that's going to cost 10 Right, yeah. And it's just because they have no idea how much it weighs, so they put in, I oh, it weighs 10 pounds, and it doesn't weigh anywhere near that, you know, or... On the reverse end, you look, and the shipping's like 10 bucks, and it should be 50 bucks, And you're like, great, I can get the deal. And then the seller contacts you and says, hey, I screwed up the shipping. You owe me 40 more dollars. I'm like, nope, <laughs> you screwed up, is exactly the phrase here. <laughs> it's happened to me recently. Really? Yeah, it still happens. People, A lot of people used to ask me, like friends and family, it's like, oh, you're good on eBay. Can you sell stuff for me? I'm like, nope. Yeah, I still get that <laughs> all the time. Like,
0: can't you just throw this up here for me? Oh, man can tell you how many times something's happened where I have to go back and tell the friend like hey you only got 100 bucks for it. What do you mean? Like said it sold for 250.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of times it's people want to sell something that's like 10 bucks or less and I'm like unless it's like 20 bucks I don't really want to mess with it. Yeah. And then you know, I want to take a lot of good pictures and I want to do the research to see what they're selling for and you know, try to get what's you know, what's worth out of it instead of just starting to let it go sometimes it works and sometimes it don't. Yeah. But yeah, I I always told people, I said, unless it's really valuable and really easy to sell, I don't really want to mess with it. And I don't think I ever did. I don't think I ever said one thing for anybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. It was almost always more of a pain than it was worth. Mm-hmm. I love my friends, but don't ask me to listen to anything on eBay. <laughs> so when, what, when did you start getting into making videos then? What was the crossover from modding to videos or anything?
1: I don't remember. I know I had a couple really low low budget videos pretty early on like maybe 2010 or 11 and I remember it was um I had stuck like a pen laser to the side of a zapper gun and put a switch on it to turn it on and off Hmm. and I made a video of it and just all I did was show the red dot on the wall and like kind of little bit of the gun and I was moving around turning on and off didn't talk didn't show my face nothing like that that was one of the earliest videos huh um I, about the same time I was also doing I had just bought a thermal camera and I was doing testing on you know what made the chips hotter or cooler or whatever and I think there was some video about that too but it was really when I moved here in like 2012 I started watching the EEV blog mm-hmm. and he started talking about how he was actually making a living doing it you know and I started thinking maybe I can do that and that was the whole intention was to make a living doing videos and that is not what happened at all. No, man. You turned no, into a modding guide for a while. I made a guide on how to do the composite mod. Mm-hmm. And instead of people being like, thanks for the guide, they're like, hey, I want you to mod mine. I'm like, what? How did this happen? You know, just yeah. it's, it's, a, it's an odd effect where people think they get to know you from watching you do the work. And they're like, you do good work, and I feel like I know you, so I like you, therefore I want you to do mine. And that's why I tell a lot of my modders, I'm like, you guys need to get on and do videos, and show your face, talk to people, talk to the camera, because then people will think they know you, and they get to the point where they like you, and they will make you their their, their main guide.
0: but everybody wins in that scenario. That's why I love stuff like this. I mean, you put up videos about yourself doing mod work, yes, it's kind of free promotion for yourself at the same time, But now you're also showing people what they could expect to get, Mm -hmm. so people watch a couple of your videos and go, "All right, you know, I I like how that's done. Here you go," and they don't have to worry about coming back and opening up their console and having a wad of glue and some snot in there or something. Mm -hmm. Like it's uh, it works for everybody. Everybody gets exactly you know everything's on the table. Everybody
1: knows what to expect. I think it's great for most parts. I mean, there's there's still people doing videos where they don't show everything. Like they'll show the end result of it hooked up to a TV and working. And that's not the kind of modder you want to exactly. get exactly. with. Yeah, that's not what I mean. If they're not showing the inside, if they're not showing how they do it, then probably need to stay away. Yes. Or at least ask yeah. Ask for pictures of inside, and if it looks good, then you might be okay.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I forgot to make that point. You're right. In the video, showing the mod work itself and how they do the mod work. So that, that is a big point. You don't want somebody installing, like, an SRGB with a hot air gun or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've all seen some crazy stuff over the years. but Yeah. Yeah, anybody that's supposed to make videos, show the end result, too. A lot of people were complaining that some of the videos that, that had been up showed this very cool mod work, and then that's it. Put the case on, and it doesn't actually show it plugged into a TV. So as silly as the
1: thing a that it, as that might sound. I know. get that a lot, too, but uh, usually if I don't, it's because of there's some other video that already shows it, and then this is just like a different version of how to do the mod or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. I like. I think my most watched video right now is an N64 Ultra Edition install, and I don't think I show it working in that video. It's oh, mostly funny. just about the install, and I, there's comments on there that says, "Well, why didn't you show it working?" Well, because <laughs> there's just not much reason. You know, yeah, it just it, it just didn't it didn't dawn on me that I needed to show it because I've shown it before. I mean, it and also it's like showing it working is one thing but like doing a full capture and like showing the differences between like this is composite this is uh, like a, a basic rgb mod this is yeah. mod and this is the ultra hdmi that's a video i just I, I can't even really do that because i don't have all the correct capture stuff
0: yeah i i mean i did a lot of that with the snes stuff and that was hundreds of hours worth of work trying to get all that in i did a, i mean the ultra six or the ultra hdmi mod for the N64. That review was pretty extensive, and I don't think I did. I think I maybe did one or two composite comparisons just to show as an example, but I don't think people realize how time-consuming that is. I'm sure no. you get it too, but I get a lot of people that are like, hey, you know, would you mind just snapping a couple of pictures of this? I was curious what it looks like for a project I'm working on. So yeah. I, I would love to do that, but I don't have the five hours it's going to take to set up, tear down, and do all that. Well, not only that,
1: but the investment in the equipment and then the investment time of learning how to use it and then finally getting to the point where you can actually yeah. comparison testing and all stuff. So you want to show off your
0: setup and kind of show everybody the uh, the other side of what it looks like to be at uh, at Lab Game Tech?
1: Yeah. Um, this is like the angle most people see, and the only thing different is I have changed PVMs temporarily. The the old ones down here. It's when everybody complains about being too red or whatever. There's something wrong with it. Hmm. So that was
0: the 20-inch. What was the 20? 20, um 2030, and that was the
1: 14M4U. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the higher line count 14-inch monitor. Those things are cool. And now that it's up here, I'm still on the fence of whether to keep it. Um, you can kind of see where the footprint used to be for the 2030, and now I have this turned towards the camera. It's really not a whole lot more room, which was one of the things I was going for: is more space up here. But also, it's mono audio, and the 2030 had stereo input and output, and I had a couple Sony Cube speakers hooked up to it, so I could actually just like hook in audio into this from something else that I was testing. You know, like say I'd have HDMI go into the small TV, and then I'd test you know analog audio out through the cubes through the PVM. But now I can't really do that unless I wanted to put a receiver or something in here, and I just I don't know if I wanted like. Fix the 2030 and get it back up here, or just try to make this work, or whatnot. But right now, this RGB TV works, and this one looks like crap. So that's what we're going with for now.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of those 14-inch PVMs. They're they're small enough where you could use it on a lab table like you have it, but they're big enough where if you if you just want to sit and game on it for a little while, it's fine. I loved my 8-inch, but man, if you tried to play anything more than just basic testing, it's
1: it's really hard to see. Do you think you're going to see more, like just say like the RGB noise on a Supergun, do you think you're going to see it more on a bigger tube than you would on the smaller tube? or?
0: Um, I, I'm going to go with yes, because one of the things I used to check is the SMPTE color bars um, in both the 240p test suite and the HD RetroVision software. And I would have to get my face right up to that 8 inch to be able to see where the color is blended. I mean, obviously for stuff like that, you should do captures anyway, but... Just for a quick glance to see, uh, I did find it the bigger the better trying to figure out where those mm-hmm. color bars blend together and if the colors are off. So I, uh, I'm, a, I'm strangely colorblind where I can see all the color bars, but shades kind of mess with me sometimes, so the bigger the better. Then when it's really blatant,
1: it's easier for me. But. Mm. So yeah, I have a, like a hot air station over here that I rarely use. I just never... Got, I wouldn't say I didn't get the hang of it, but I just never got to the point where I liked using it. Mm. had a couple instances where, like like that PCB I was showing you earlier, where I used it, and I caused a bubble on the PCB itself, and it actually popped and spat something back in my face oh. and scared the shit out of me. Like it hit like like my bottom eyelid or something, just... Just enough to scare you to like, okay, maybe I shouldn't rethink this. And that was just a test to see if I could uh, get the dip chip off faster using hot air than just
0: trying Mm -hmm. to
1: use a solder sucker or whatever. So it rarely gets used, but it's there if I need it.
0: So this is where you do uh, pretty much all your videos. You have all your demonstrations here. Um, Yeah, this is like
1: the test area more than like work area. Like my soldering station is over here, so most of work work gets done over here all right so you want to show your solder station actually it's buried under here it's a dd5700 some people ask i upgraded to a dual station thinking i was going to use these tweezers a lot and then one of them burned out and just never used it a lot anymore
0: yeah, you know, I've always wondered about these. Oh, yeah, one of them broke off anyway. I always wondered about those. I thought they would come in handy for things like the surface mount components.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I bought, the surface mount caps.
0: And you got your overhead camera here.
1: So that's how you get your uh, top-down shots for mm-hmm. uh, for everything. Just a simple anchored to the wall. That's the other tripod I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: hysterical. I love it, though. It works. Yeah. It absolutely does its trick. And so that's all the top-down shots, and uh, I guess sometimes you would just pull the other camera over here to get the other side shot when you're doing that. So
1: oh, yeah, you I have a handheld camera that I'll just I'll put like a macro lens on to get really close-up stuff. Um, yeah, I upgraded to the dual station. I Think I was going to use the tweezers, and I think I used them once or twice, and then the actual cartridge like burned up. Hmm. I think it used to be sitting here, but I don't think I got rid of it. But I think it's even in the videos where I was using on, on some surface mount caps, and you could just see it turn bright red. It got so hot. And I actually bought replacement cartridges and just, maybe because I don't do a lot of cap jobs anymore.
0: That's mm-hmm. the reason.
1: And you can buy tips for the JBC that actually look like a fork that are just wide enough to fit on each side of the capacitor. This is not for a capacitor. Oh no, there's one. For, you know, for like maybe a 06 or 04 surface mount cap. Hmm. Maybe you can just stick it on each side of it grab it up off of there. I, wish I, I think that's more for like a, a really tiny surface mount chip.
0: See if I can get that in focus. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely.
1: So we got the room tour. To
0: we got everything. Uh, we got the inside scoop, but I guess what's next? What you, is there stuff that you've been working on that you're you could talk about? Um, where do you see your channel going? I mean, you've done. I mean, you've made quite a name for yourself over the past six years. You know, between the videos, the modding, and uh, the, your work at the High Def Nest project. Anything else that you could talk about? I know. I think you already publicly announced that you'll be helping Woozle sell the GBA kits, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully he'll be doing more like that with uh, Neo Geo Pocket and Game Gear know a lot of people a lot of people are pushing for 2DS 3DS stuff. Mm. I don't even know if it's possible. We haven't discussed it yet, but obviously it would be a good move just because of it's still a current console and whatnot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But uh anything else to get on the horizon? I mean, you got a pretty impressive uh setup here. I saw, you know, your uh, your warehouse of uh, of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, anything on the horizon?
1: Dude, there's so much stuff. I don't even I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> Um, well, one thing I could talk about is I was, I've was i been debating to start doing consignment sales on the site. So, like, let's say you're either you're a modder who wants to sell pre modded consoles and you don't have a name for yourself, or you do have a name for yourself but you just don't want to deal with whatever, mm-hmm. having a site or trying to sell them on eBay or whatnot. And um, we can do one of two ways where I just get pictures posted on my site, take a small cut, and then the modder ships to whoever buys it. Mm hmm. And maybe, or maybe I don't actually see the console myself. Or it could be shipped here and I could do my own pictures and do my own inspection of it and take a little bit bigger, bigger cut and then I ship to the to the customer.
0: Either sounds kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, they'd have to be people that you trust and not just, you know, random sending you consoles to sell. But That's what,
1: that's why I think it would be, if it was people I already knew did good work, they could just take care of shipping to the customer. Because we already know... Whatever the mod is they probably did it right, but if it's somebody unknown Might have them ship it to me so I can look it over first and do all the Testing maybe do some videos about him or whatever. Yeah makes sense
0: I think it's uh, one of the things that you've obviously proven yourself for is being able to to resell and support stuff So I think that uh, for a trusted modder somebody that does good work and likes modding but doesn't want to have to deal with the other side of things that might actually be a great fit so mm-hmm. that's a cool thing I never that's, thought of that's doing basically
1: that. where game tech has been heading ever since high Deathness is it it's like people like Ketris and Marshall they don't have the time to sit around and ship kits so then there's a lot more people like that out there that I'm like you know hey this is what I do you know I like it and I'm good at it you know, because I do an eBay for 15 plus years so I know mm-hmm. the, sh- <laughs> the shipping stuff side works and We've got all that figured out, you and, know, and I'm technically inclined enough to, to, like, answer some of the questions people ask, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I I can't. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, like, well, you know, I, I wrote up a lot of frequently asked questions for high and I was very involved in it so I can answer more high stuff than, like, ultra-HDMI. Mm-hmm.
0: So do you have, uh, you have ultra-HDMI kits pre-orders? I think those are all sold out now, mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it, is that for the foreseeable future the way it's going to be as far as you know for Marshall? Are you going to, to see how many kits he's going to allot to you? Do your pre-orders? He'll and I'll send them to you when they're done. Or is there ever going to be more of a
1: more of a stock coming in? I can't really say. I I always ask <laughs> often to sell more, and Marshall got screwed over multiple times by fabs and so i think he's gun shy on ordering too many and he's told me he's working on getting uh, a better supply going whether that means using multiple fabs or i don't i don't even know what it entails that's the most information i got out of it is he was working on trying to make it more available
0: yeah yeah stuff like that not to go off on a business tangent but we um you that's the difference between being a bigger company and an individual or just a single LLC. And that when you have a... When I say bigger company, just company with a couple of employees, but you got all the business stuff set up, you could do purchase orders to places. So you could have them you know, with um, with terms of payment. So we did a couple for the hardware manufacturing thing, where we prepaid a lot of money for some prototypes that were perfect. We, I think with one of them, we bought 5,000 internal power supplies for a computer, Um, Then they arrived, and all of them, they had swapped out components with cheaper ones, and everything was failing on them. So we just simply said, like, you're not getting a penny. Like, you know, if you want to call your lawyer, that's fine, but you you didn't ship us what you said, so you need to ship us the new stuff. We're going to throw all this out, or if you want to ship it back. And every time something like that happened, because it was business terms, they they scrambled and, you know, oh, I'm sorry, and they got it over. And unfortunately, when you prepay... You don't have that option at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, of course we'll fix it. You know, this year. You know, so yeah, um, it would be nice
1: to get to that point where we could have more control over yeah. the product we're getting. Who
0: knows? Maybe if more people start to sell through you, GameTech could grow enough to the point where it's uh, you could have that have that rightful power. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you're it's not like you're looking to bully companies. You're simply asking to get what you paid for, yeah. and nothing more. So it sucks that, uh, you know, that's not uncommon to have people have, to, you know, especially, you know, when I say small orders, even a thousand is a small order for some of these manufacturing places. So mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine how pissed I'd be if a thousand flex cables showed up all wrong or something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the other thing that's coming is the sales tax thing. I have a feeling that people that don't want to mess with it might just shut down their sites. Yeah, and possibly that might be, you know, an acquisition for game tech. It's like, you know what, I'll take care of all that if you let me sell your product.
0: Yeah, I don't think, once again, that's a rant on business, but I don't think many people really grasp the whole tax side of things as well. So if you if you buy something for $5 and sell it for $8, you are losing money. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, I mean, and if you do that a lot, you're losing a lot of, a lot of money. So... There's a lot more that goes into it. Stuff that I had known from the past and even stuff that I had no idea on. that i you know, I'm just learning now, all the behind the scenes stuff. So it's uh yeah. Well, hopefully hopefully that won't affect too much of the modding community though.
1: People, I, just... yeah, it's, it's from what I've heard of so far it's just gonna be state dependent mm-hmm. and there might be like, you know, an income cap or like it's like well if you make this amount of sales then you definitely need to get paid in the sales tax but the lower people may not get messed with for a while.
0: I mean, it might work out to be fair. If you're making a hundred grand a year off of something, you should pay taxes on mm-hmm. it. But if you've made five grand, you know that's shitty. So
1: it's not worth it for them to come after you. So
0: no, no. I guess all that remains to be seen. So uh, a lot of stuff coming out. A lot of stuff you're working yeah, on. There's, there's, I, there's no? at least
1: there are at least at least ten more people that are like in the works for selling stuff on GameTek, and unfortunately, none of them are ready enough for me to start talking about.
0: No, it's fine. I'm just glad there's a path forward because I want to keep seeing all that really awesome stuff come out and you know, see what else could happen. Um, I notice you have a ton of those top-loading nests behind you, and I always see those in your videos. Uh, are, are you going to start selling more
1: pre-modded nest units on, uh, on your store? I don't know about more. <laughs> I'm going to continue to do it. It's really a, uh, when I have time mm-hmm. and when there's not you know a hundred other priorities to get taken care of and honestly there's a lot more priorities than selling pre-moded consoles like i want to get it done just to get them out of here like that's only a fraction of what i have but those are the really nice ones mm. that's why they're up there it's like that's one i go to first because they're in really good shape everything else that i have is stuff that i bought broken Mm-hmm. So it probably has a bad CPU or you know RAM or something in it, or just the shell is not very nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Have, you, uh, have you considered 3D printing at all? Investing in one of those 3D printers and messing with it? No, because I, it's just
1: another whole universe of knowledge <laughs> that you have to get a handle on before you can move forward with it. Agreed. And there's already hundreds or thousands of guys out there that that's their main focus. Yeah. And they can do it way better than I can.
0: I was just thinking more along the lines of once you get it set up, because, uh, from uh, and I know nothing about 3D printers, this is just hearsay, but I, I think that to get it set up and calibrated requires either patience or somebody who's done it before. But then, for the most part, as long as you know how to, uh, to align and balance, the, for at least for all the ones that are more consumer friendly, you just put your design on the USB stick and stick it in. Because I was just seeing some of the stuff you have up there and I was thinking some of the 3D mods that are out there might, or 3D printed mods that might work cool, like with the top loaders. Uh, Greg's middle piece, so you could put the uh, HDMI, uh, yeah, under the high-def nest right one out it of the guys I'm talking to, you, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I'm glad he he donates so much cool shit to the community. I just uh, I'd love to see a few of those be sold without cutting, just for the purpose. So
1: mm, yeah, uh, I think when he first posted it on Twitter, I immediately was like, "Yes, I'm interested. <laughs> Please email me."
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I do that with all of his products. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's good. I'm glad to hear that because it's one of those I've seen so many modders on on eBay. Drill just swish cheese into the back, and not not the high uh, the HDMI stuff. You know the the high def the ultra HDMI. Those are very small cuts. Those aren't things that you know. They won't. I don't feel like you're ruining a product when you're doing that. You're adding an awesome feature. But I just see so many of the other things that are Swiss cheese, and I'm like, oh, you just killed that console for connectors that aren't going to matter in five years. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like the
1: old composite, multi-top loaders. Oh man, yeah.
0: The, somebody was selling SMS's, and they wanted me to feature them on, on my website, and they it was you know composite, left right audio, even though it's only mono output, and S video, and they said, uh, and then they cut a hole for uh, a VGA port so you could use a, a VGA to RGB output like, oh my god. I get it. I get that the SMS is nice and long with that flat back, but you've just ruined the top of this console for mm-hmm. something that already has a multi out. So <laughs> Sorry for my uh, ruining your consoles rant. But, uh,
1: no, I, I I look at eBay stuff every morning, and I see lots of high-def NES and Ultra HDMI consoles. I see all of them that are posted, and I rarely see high-def NES ports that I think are as good as they could be. A lot yeah. of them are really bad. Like they don't even have a file, and mm-hmm. just use a drill and a, and a knife, and that's it. Ultra HDMI is a little easier, I guess. But
0: well, I've actually—I mean, not—I am by no means skilled with a knife or a drill. But I, the first couple of ultra HDMI mods I did, I used an Xacto knife. But I—I I knew what I was getting into. I was being very patient, very careful, and it came out fine Mm -hmm. didn't come out as good as the ones that you do but you know you'd have to get right up to it to notice the difference it's not like some of the ones i've seen where people take like a pair of pliers and and break (laughs) off the break off the plastic underneath or something i've seen those before that's embarrassing to look at but yeah um what kind of tools do
1: you use when you drill those holes do you have like uh just dremel sets and stuff i rarely use the dremel actually really Mm -hmm. i I drill holes in the plastic just with the cordless drill, and then I usually take an exacto knife and cut it out close, and then finish it off with a file. Hmm. And I have, you know, I just bought a cheap Walmart set from, of files that are really small. Yeah. Huh. I wouldn't have guessed that. It looks. Uh, it looks pretty nice. The the plan was to have a metal template where you could use a Dremel, and I actually bought some Dremel bits just for this purpose. Kind of like a. It's a, a cutting bit, but it's, it looks like a drill bit that you could just lay into this metal template and then just route out the hole, and then that was it. Mm. And I just, it just never happened. I had, um, I think my modder in Europe sent me one that he had made. It's sitting around here somewhere. And it was close, but not good enough. Because, mm. you know, you're going to have to charge quite a bit for this template because it's machined. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it would really only be for modders that are doing multiples. So it just needs to be absolutely perfect, and it just wasn't. So I mm. kind of gave up on it.
0: Yeah, I hope uh, I hope people watching have picked up on all the different tools that we've talked about since uh, since I hit record on this video. You know, you, you're, all of these shelves are covered in things that are pretty essential to do a lot of these mods. And that's the one thing I always recommend. If somebody wants to get in this for a hobby because they enjoy tinkering and they enjoy doing this, by all means, learn how to mod your own stuff you know learn how to do watch all the great videos out there watch your videos but for the people that are just like i really have three consoles that i want modded and i'll never do it again it's way cheaper to have other people do it for you because the the amount of, of equipment that you have in here from you know a nicer desoldering soldering gun to you know to all of the the when you just showed um desoldering uh, the surface mount components that one thing all that adds up a lot i mean you mm-hmm. can easily drop 500 bucks on equipment well i mean i
1: started out with crap tools too i mean most people do and then just you find out what's crap and you upgrade and then maybe find out from another video that oh this tool's even better like i didn't know about the heiko 808 for years and years i was using the old cheap the plunger plunger style oh no like this oh that's that's... i used that thing for a long time oh boy
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know that was the one thing that really surprised me the most was when I I started messing with different modding stuff. Just by upgrading my tools, something that took
1: me that used to take two hours took forty minutes maybe. Mm -hmm. So that's that's I'd say, other than the eight oh eight, probably upgrading to the JBC soldering station was one of the biggest jumps i just couldn't believe it with the removable tips so that you know you
0: don't have to just get one of those radio shack guns with the medium-sized tip on it Mm -hmm. and all that stuff
1: and that one just it just recovers so fast like and you can get different tips that are like huge and small and just switch between them real quick and Mm it's already hot and just keep going it's great well
0: Thank you very much for the inside look into your lab. This was very cool. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I finally got to come down and hang out with you in person after all these years. But uh, this definitely isn't going to be the last time you see me. Hopefully, we can get you <laughs> down to New York, uh, hang out with the crew in Brooklyn, oh, I'm and definitely coming down to New York, there. Yeah. So. All right, man, thanks. If you, guys, uh, if you guys want to see more of these, make sure to like and subscribe, and I'll have the video link up there for the rest of the Retro RGB Road Trip episodes.